Hi guys, welcome to Farmer Fridays, where I get to interview agriculturists, ag organizations, and ag businesses across the state of West Virginia. My name is Elizabeth Lynch, your Miss Jefferson County 2022. Today, I'm super excited for my guest on this show. I have Casey Ganser, who's the Northern Region Planning Coordinator for the West Virginia Department of Agriculture. How are you this morning? Excellent and excited to talk with you today. Again, thank you so much for agreeing to do this with me today and speak. I am super excited about some of the information that you can provide for my viewers. All right, so first off, of course, tell me all about yourself and your agricultural background. Um, I am from originally from Ohio County. Um, my family had a dairy farm up until the early 1970s when Interstate 70 came through and cut the farm into four pieces. Um, my grandfather was a full-time dairy farmer until his late 60s when he no longer had a dairy farm. So uh, farming skipped a generation. My dad uh, was told, don't be a farmer. There isn't really work for that here. And uh, about a decade later, I actually owned a salon and I started using a lot of our property and started doing some big gardens. And one day I woke up and I decided this is not for me. And I literally put a sign on the door of my salon, which was on the former dairy farm property that said closing to become a farmer. I love this. And I, I jumped in head first, going from owning a salon and a day spa to a few months later, trying to become a full-time farmer. So I started selling at local farmers markets and started a line of jams. And at that time, I was still pretty heavily involved in 4-H. And I kind of found a passion for helping other people learn how to grow. And I already had a marketing and business background. And I thought, you know, we can kind of combine these powers to work towards agriculture. Then I became a farm manager. And then I went to Grow Ohio Valley, a nonprofit in Wheeling, which uh, supports the local farming community and food justice and became a director there. And the work I was doing with farmers then led us to create a similar position at the Department of Ag. Wow, amazing. <laughs> I, you just, I love your story. That's so exciting. And the last time that we spoke, you told me that you wore so many hats in the West Virginia Department of Ag. So of course, tell me about all of those hats that you wear and what your main job is. Okay. As a planning coordinator, there are four of us. So we cover the state, kind of in the middle of the state. We kind of tag team it on whatever our specialty is. So we always try to explain our jobs as if you are selling or want to sell a product from your farm and you call the Department of Agriculture, you're going to come to us. So this could be a question about what is a legal label if I want to sell jam? It could be, I have 100 acres. This is usually the question I get. I have 100 acres. What should I do in farming to make money? Which is the <laughs> ultimate loaded question, especially if you have never been farming. Um, we help with production planning, business plans, marketing, uh, getting people as members of West Virginia Grown, all those different types of things. And then on top of that, I serve as the vice president of the West Virginia Farmers Market Association, and I chair our policy committee. So there, my job is to make sure policy and regulations align with businesses in agriculture here in West Virginia. We help support our farmers markets with mini grants. We have uh, poultry trailers. We do all kinds of different stuff at the Farmers Market Association. And that kind of covers anyone selling, even if it's not a food product. So this might be, I sell wool, I sell flowers. We kind of cross all the way into each area of agriculture. 
you know, uh, rules and regulations and policies don't always sound super fun, but the way that you're talking about it makes it sound super exciting. <laughs> they can be so fun. And I tell people all the time, we live in a state where a small producer at a farmer's market can come to the Department of Agriculture and say, this fee is beyond what I can even make money on, or this regulation doesn't make sense because I'm also inspected here. And we live in a state where we can get policy change. And the five years, the last five years of the Department of Ag, we have watched things become legal. We have watched things be deregulated. We've watched permitting drop. And that is really exciting. And in California, one person saying, you know, it's really hard to sell maple syrup here probably won't get you a law change. That can happen in West Virginia. And that's really cool. And it's a super great opportunity for our farmers as well, so that they're not stuck in this little box. They've got so many things that they can explore. All right. So I noticed that one of the really big initiatives right now in the state of West Virginia is our West Virginia, pardon me, West Virginia Grown Program. Um, so for my viewers at home, can you explain what the program is and how it benefits our farmers in the state? Yes, West Virginia Grown is a free marketing and branding program for West Virginia producers. And it goes well beyond what some people might assume could be membership. So this is any product grown or made within the state of West Virginia, or a product where you add more than 50% of the value in the state. So let me give you an example that you wouldn't assume. We have coffee roasters in our West Virginia Grown program here in West Virginia. Why? They bring in raw coffee beans, they roast them here, they make the coffee here, they serve them here. And that allows us to really have an expanded line of products. West Virginia grown could mean I'm an egg producer and I sell eggs within the state of West Virginia. It could be a beef producer. We have basket makers because they grow their own willows. Wow. We have lots of shelf stable items like jams and jellies and salsas and our produce growers are eligible. We have some cut flower growers in the West Virginia Grown Program. Agritourism, so maybe your farm is an event barn and has a, a portion where you might do, you know, hay rides in the field, or you might be a fall corn maze. You can be a part of West Virginia Grown. As a member, that means you can use our logo and branding, and you can put that on your website. We provide stickers at cost. It gets you in our print directory every year, which is a beautiful write-up about all of these businesses. And every month in our market bulletin, which goes to over 50,000 homes, wow. you are listed by county as a West Virginia Grown member. As a consumer, I can see that sticker and that label and know this is verified West Virginia product. And when I am purchasing it, I'm supporting West Virginia farms and West Virginia businesses. What's really exciting is right now we are working on expanding our program and this summer or fall you'll be seeing we're adding uh, different levels of partnership and support and we're going to add West Virginia Grown served here. That means all of our restaurants and our state parks, places that are using local food can be highlighted. We are adding West Virginia Grown sold here. These are businesses like consignment farmers markets and local stores that are carrying West Virginia Grown products and West Virginia Grown support here. These are our nonprofits, our agencies, our fair boards. These are people that are supporting agriculture and West Virginia grown products. So once we have all this additional support, I think you're going to have a lot more brand recognition with West Virginia grown. That is so exciting. I, I'm really excited for this program and I think it's got a lot of potential moving forward. Absolutely. So 
Now, I can, I can really tell that you have this extraordinary passion for our farmers markets and of course our agriculturists. What is your favorite thing about working with our state's agriculturists? Uh, I think what's so exciting is when you go to a farmer's market or someone's farm, there's no cutoff between family, farm, and business. That's one unit. So when I go to a farm, I'm not only looking at like, here's a great place where we can grow peppers. I hear the family story of all the things that have been grown there for a hundred years. Uh, then we talk about, you know, well, my brother lives next door and he actually has an orchard. The fact that it's all encompassing and it's not just, you know, I buy Coca-Cola, that's a brand. There's so much behind the brands of these farms. And that's why I think agritourism is particularly exciting because that invites the consumer and the customer onto the farm and it, it makes them feel part of the products they're buying. Right. They can see exactly what's going on. They can get more information. And I love the fact that we're able to share the stories of our agriculturists. That's, that's huge for me. And that's yeah. one of the reasons why I'm doing these interviews is so that I'm able to share these stories and get more information out there. All right. So if I want to sell a product in the state of West Virginia, what do you think is the most challenging thing about doing that? Um, so, you know, we have about three or four levels of products. If you want to sell a non-potentially hazardous food, the challenges are almost non-existent. Um, one drawback in West Virginia is we don't have our own process authority for potentially hazardous foods. So it can cost a little bit of money and some extra time. So a lot of times the flip side is start with something more entry level. I will tell you if you can get your meat processed, selling meat within the state at farmer's markets and off farm is very, very easy. It's not very expensive to get into. Um, I think the biggest challenge, honestly, is your market. Having okay. enough of population, enough population that can afford your products within a certain distance, I think is the biggest challenge. We are extremely spread out. We don't have a lot of interstate access. We can produce much more than we're able to sell, even though there's a demand for the product. And that really becomes the challenge. So how do you overcome a challenge like that? What, what would you suggest? Online sales is how a lot of our producers have, have gotten over that hurdle. COVID pushed everyone to get online. But if you live in West Virginia and you don't have internet access, then you're left out of an entire sales world. But those people who have learned to sell collectively and to sell online, you know, this is more than ever, it's important to sell with a farmer's market or a group of people or have mm -hmm. enough diverse products. Maybe you sell someone else's. It is hard to get a customer when you only sell one. Right. And if that person is going to travel a distance to get that, you need to have options when they get there. So working together is our biggest asset. Perfect. Yeah. Something that we talk about a lot on, the, on these interviews is collaboration and the opportunity to share information that, you know, other farmers might not have. So right. that collaboration is super key. Now, uh, what do you think is the easiest thing? about selling a product in the state of West Virginia? Probably a lot of things, right? Yeah, I'd say the easiest is access to unregulated markets. Okay. So I can join one of our more than 250 farmers markets and I can sell produce tomorrow. There's no regulations, there's no registrations, there's no fees. I can join that same farmer's market tomorrow and sell non-potentially hazardous foods as long as I'm following a required label. Again. I don't have an inspection. I don't have a registration. I don't have a fee. So I can try 
I can get my feet wet. I can go to a Saturday farmer's market without making a huge investment. Yes, I can't sell spaghetti sauce and I can't sell zucchini noodles yet because I haven't gone to that next level, but I can test my market and I can see what works. I can see what other people are selling. I can see where there's things missing. I can listen to customers and hear what they're looking for that we don't have. And I can do this for little to no cost. Okay. And I think that's really, really exciting that, and especially for young people, I encourage high school students, make a small business plan for the summer. Make a couple hundred dollars a week. Test your market for your farm. Maybe your farm really hasn't been in use for a few generations. It's got a farm name. It might have a sign. But you really haven't sold any products. That is the great way, one, to start registering as a farm again and get those tax deductions on your property tax and doing all those things, using your farm as a business. But learning the business world young makes it so much easier. And oh, establishing sure. a brand when you're 16 years old, that's priceless. Excellent. Now, one of the things that, so I'm, I'm hearing these words, I guess, so unregulated, um, you've got ungraded, you know, things like that. Now, as a consumer, should we be worried when we hear those words? What rules are put in place to ensure that things are safe for our consumers? Absolutely. Let's start with ungraded. Ungraded eggs. So I have never heard a report of any issues with health issues. That person is still following all the standards of how to sell eggs. They're clean, they're kept at temperature, they're properly labeled. Ungraded means they're probably not all the same size. Mm -hmm. There's a good chance they're different colors. Myself as a consumer and many people, that's what I'm looking for in a dozen eggs. There's no safety issue. You should know who you're buying from. They're gonna be registered as a small egg producer. It just doesn't cost them anything. Um, you're gonna see that label on there. As a consumer, if I'm going to a farmer's market and Somehow someone hands me eggs that were not refrigerated, they're not cold, and they don't have a label on them. I, as a consumer, I'm not purchasing that product. But if they're following all the safety standards, they should be absolutely fine. Uh, as far as like unregulated, non-potentially hazardous foods, the key word there is we only allow non-potentially hazardous foods. These are things that are shelf-stable, uh, they don't need refrigeration, things like popcorn, chocolate chip cookies, breads. So this person is labeling allergens. They're following all the basic standards of a restaurant, cleanliness, all of those things. And again, they're being transplant, transparent with that label. So the same thing if I'm going and someone maybe is on the roadside and selling some breads, I don't see a label on there as a consumer. That's when I would be worried about it. That means we don't know what standards they're following. And we also don't know how to find them. That's another reason we require labels. If there would be an issue, which there never has, we know how to get back to that person. So I think as a consumer, I'm going to read that label. And if it has a West Virginia grown sticker, you know, they've gone through an additional process. They have had all their labels inspected. They have joined our program. We are, they have listed every product they sell. So that as a consumer, when I see West Virginia grown, I should feel very comfortable with what I'm purchasing. That's another great incentive to be become a part of the West Virginia yes. Grown program. Yes. And that's going to help you if you're looking for sales outlets also. Excellent. There, all I mean, right. So what, what advice would you give to somebody who might want to start selling things or might want to start their own farmer's market in the state of West Virginia? Any advice would you like to give? Selling things, start small. Start small. <laughs> Don't plant two acres of sweet corn on the <laughs> assumption that your community loves sweet corn or assuming no one else is planting it. Uh, see what works for you. Also, don't try to grow or raise 
something that it is hard to bring an entirely new product into a community or a way of eating. Or, so you got to ease them into it. Um, what was the second half of the question? Just oh, like for how to start a farmer's market. Right. Oh. <laughs> Starting a farmer's market is not easy. Okay. So it takes a lot of planning. Unfortunately, most people that come to me wanting to start a farmer's market are not farmers. I'd say about once a month, uh, a community group, a church, a town, a mayor, um, you know, everybody wants to start a farmer's market. You don't have a base of farmers and businesses. You can want it all day long. You can make the opportunity. You can have the best location but it has to be driven on a need for sales outlets more than a want for a farmer's market. Makes sense. That makes yes. sense. Yeah. And don't try to be not formal. That is also people try, oh, let's just meet on Tuesdays. We'll be near the dollar store. We'll set up one. You still have to register with the state, mm -hmm. but you'll want to start with bylaws. You'll want to start with plans because farmer's markets can grow very quickly and things can get easily out of hand if you didn't start with a good foundation. No, that makes sense. And that goes back to, again, starting very small. Yeah. So if you start small by yourself, you know, maybe you can start growing from there. But if the collaboration comes into play at that point as well. Yeah. So what is one thing that you'd want your state to know about West Virginia agriculture? Just one thing in general. It's way more diverse than you think it is. Mm -hmm. There is a lot more than apples and chickens. <laughs> and if you just dig a little deeper and really look for it, you could find just about anything you want. And on most of my interviews that I talk to with people who are running farmer's markets or have their own farm that they're selling from, this is something that they say all the time. You know, go to your farmer's market and just see what's out there because typically you'll find almost everything that you want. And that's yes. pretty exciting. Yeah. All right. I also found a fun fact about you recently that said your grandmother was the first female county farm bureau president in the state of West Virginia. And I believe that was in Ohio County, correct? Yes. All right. How did having that super strong female agriculturist to look up to impact your life? I wish that, that I could answer that question, but unfortunately my grandmother passed away when I was two years old. Here's the fun fact though. I had no idea about that. Really? Not a clue in the world. So I was had just joined Farm Bureau and was asked to compete in their um, discussion meet debates here in West Virginia. And then I went to nationals. As I was preparing for nationals, I was looking through old boxes and found the newspaper article about her becoming the wow. first female. I had no idea. My dad didn't know. My grandfather had already passed away. I had no idea that I was ended up doing a lot of the same things as her and I really didn't know anything about her, which then spurred me to learn lots of things. And in fact, after I got back from nationals, the Wheeling newspaper did an article about it. And in the article, I held the article framed because it was so inspirational. And oh, I I'm sure. That's so exciting. <laughs> and that's like a really cool piece of history for you too. Like that's, that I may that's never phenomenal. have discovered. It's no, crazy how life takes us down these paths and, you know, they're always connected to somebody else. That's, that's really neat. So instead of having that strong influence, I feel like I want to be that influence. And that's why I do a lot of community education and that kind of thing, because I know that's what she did. Now I know that. You just gave me goosebumps with that statement. I love that. 
Is there any advice that you would want to give to any future female agriculturist? There is nothing you can't do in the field of agriculture. Whether it's from technology or in the home, there is nothing you can't do. And there are job opportunities. There are opportunities. Don't let anybody say that there aren't because they're out there. We all need food. We all love plants. It's not going to go away. There's something for everyone. I love that. Thank you so much for that piece of advice and sharing your story there. Now, for my final question, I love the FFA Creed. And that's kind of, you know, something that sparked my interest and really started giving me that passion for agriculture. And the first line is, I believe in the future of agriculture. So why do you believe in the future of agriculture? Because we have no choice not to. It is the one and only industry that is not going to go away, that is going to impact you three times a day, no matter what. You know, it's part of your health. It's part of our economy. I believe in it because we have no choice but to, and that makes me see nothing but opportunities. I love it. Thank you so much. And honestly, I could probably sit here forever and talk to you about these things, Casey. You are a wealth of knowledge. And I encourage any of my viewers, if you have questions, please get a hold of her. Please look at the West Virginia Department of Ag website. See what more you can do for your community. Or if you want to start producing things or selling things in the state, talk, contact her and see how easy it is. Yes. All right, guys. Thank you so much again for being a part of this interview process, letting me speak to you. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. And thank you for everything you're doing. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right, guys, that concludes my Farmer Friday interview today. As always, please remember to thank your farmers.